Fusion News Extra. Welcome to Fusion News Extra, brought to you by the Fusion Industry Association. Hi and welcome to Fusion News Extra, sponsored by Fusion Energy Insights, helping you see tomorrow's opportunities today. If you want to keep up to date with developments in the growing fusion energy industry, head over to fusionenergyinsights.com. In this podcast, we aim to take a deeper dive into some of the stories included in the Fusion Industry Association Fusion News episodes and interview specialists to discuss the background of the story and provide a context in the wider fusion community. My name is Ella Fox-Widows and I'm a plasma physics with Fusion Energy PhD student and one of the hosts of the Fusion News Extra podcast. Today I'm joined by three guests, Greg Brittles, the Senior High Temperature Superconductor Magnet Engineer, Rod Bateman, the HTS Magnet Development Manager, and Robert Slade, the Director of Technology Development at Tokamak Energy, a private fusion company in Oxfordshire. We'll be discussing the story from the Fusion News episode on the 14th of May, which is centred on an article published by the BBC, which is entitled, Mind-Boggling Magnets Could Unlock Plentiful Power. This article describes the project that the High Temperature Superconductor Magnet Team at Tokamak Energy are currently working on to develop magnet technology and build a demonstrator to study how these powerful magnets work together. The article also outlines the motivation behind Tokamak Energy's design that utilises the spherical tokamak, called apple-shaped machine, and the economical advantages of using this shape. Today we'll be talking about high-performance magnets made out of a material called high-temperature superconductors, or HTS for short, and why these are so useful in fusion machines. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourselves and your roles at Tokamak Energy? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll kick off. So, uh, so I'm Greg Brittles. I'm a senior high-temperature superconducting magnet engineer here at TE. So I, I joined TE five years ago when, when Rob hired me. Uh, and since then, I've been playing around in the lab, developing the, the coil technology on the ground uh, to prove out a lot of the technology that's needed for, for actually producing fusion-scale HTS coils. Uh, and recently I was awarded a, a UKRI Future Leaders Fellowship. Um, so that under that hat, I, I lead a few specific a- aspects of the technology development for magnets. And my name is Rod Bateman. Uh, I joined Tokamak Energy in August 2018. Uh, I'm currently the HTS Magnet Development Manager. So uh, looking after the, um, the, the various development projects that we have running and uh, running the team. Uh, uh, I used to work for Oxford Instruments. I was at Oxford Instruments for 20 years, uh, worked on multiple different projects uh, of superconducting magnets, but all, all LTS uh, and various uh, cryogenic systems and, and associated control systems uh, associated with, uh, with magnet development work. Thanks, Rod. Um, my name is Robert Slade. Um, I'm the Technology uh, Development Director at Tokamak Energy. Um, like Greg said, I joined 2016, uh, and that time I was running the HTS uh, Magnet Development Team. There were just two of us. Uh, Rod's doing that now. Um, I started asking too many questions about how the magnet was uh, to be integrated into a fusion system, and uh, found myself in charge of uh, looking at the sort of system integration of all the other aspects of the of the system the plasma control and the 
radiation shielding and those things. So I'm on a steep learning curve still, but uh, it's a very interesting journey. Great. And so what is superconductivity? Yeah, I'll, I'll field that one. So uh, superconductivity is, uh, is a phenomenon that occurs in a, a subset of materials uh, whereby they, they completely lose their electrical resistance when they're cooled to extremely low temperatures. So when, when we say low temperatures, we mean near, near absolute zero, which is minus 273 degrees Celsius. Uh, so that's, that's super cold. Uh, but the latest materials that, that we use at Tokamak Energy are called high temperature superconducting materials. You shouldn't be fooled by the word high temperature. What we mean by that is they operate at about 20 degrees Celsius uh, above absolute zero, which is it, for, for cryogenic engineers a world of difference. Um, so, so yeah, so they're, they're materials, you can produce wires and tapes from them. Uh, and their, their chief uh, benefit is that they can pass current through them with no resistance, meaning that they don't heat up and they can pass extremely, extremely high current densities through them. So you can you can pass thousands of amps through material that's a human hairs uh, area in cross section. So truly extraordinary current densities. And the reason that's useful is that we need to produce electromagnets from from these materials. So we're building a fusion reactor. We're trying to harness uh, a plasma that, that's burning at 100 million degrees and we need to keep it in check. So we use very powerful electromagnets to do that. So by using superconductors, we can generate extremely powerful high magnetic fields that we can keep on all the time uh, in a way that if it was a copper material, for example, uh, the, the magnet would just overheat super quickly and you'd have to turn it off again. And so the BBC article that was referenced in the Fusion News episode, um, the headline said that the magnets you're looking on, uh, looking at at Tokamak Energy could unlock plentiful power. Uh, so why are the, these high temperature superconductors, HGS, uh, so important for fusion? Sure. So again, so the, the high temperature is, is the, the second sort of misnomer, really, because we, we prefer to refer to them as high field superconductors because that's chiefly the, the benefit that they offer uh, for fusion. So it's widely known now that the, the fusion power, uh, fusion power scales as the, the fourth, goes with the fourth power of toroidal magnetic field. So if you can make uh, a fusion reactor that has a higher magnetic field, toroidal magnetic field, then you can produce more power for a given volume. And what that means is you can make the device smaller and then smaller device means more commercially viable. So that's the route. So what you've got is a combination of uh, a material that has to exist in a high magnetic field. And it's also beneficial that it operates at higher temperature because there's a heat load that's imparted on the magnet by neutrons that hit the, hit the magnet. They act to warm it up. So it, its op ability to operate at high temperatures is also a benefit because it, it makes it more cryogenically viable as well. So in specifically, the, these rare earth barium copper oxide high temperature superconductors, we believe are a real enabling technology for compact fusion for that, for that reason. Great, that, that's really interesting. And the, the article also mentioned that you and your team are currently working on a demonstrator, uh, the Demo4 magnet. Would you be able to explain a little bit about what Demo4 is and what the aims of this project are? Yeah, so the Demo4 magnets the, is the main project that we're that the magnets team is working on at the moment. It's a set of uh, TF 
uh, limbs uh, com combined with a, a pair of PF coils. So there are 14 TF limbs. Uh, each limb is uh, a pair of Rebco pancakes. Uh, and this gives us the opportunity to, <clears throat> excuse me, to develop the stack tape, the stacked tape uh, cable uh, uh, technology that we would like to use on larger scale systems. So it gives us a chance to develop the manufacturing tools and the manufacturing processes for these coils. And it, uh, it gives us a chance to, uh, to see how these coils behave and how they function uh, as, a, as a combined set, because the, the TF coils in a tokamak form a balanced set of magnets. So if, uh, if, if, if one of those magnets decides to fail, you get some very large off-axis forces. So the, the, whole system, the whole set of magnets has to work as a system. So Demo 4 gives us an opportunity to, uh, to evaluate um, how to control these magnets uh, and how to protect these magnets. Um, and we're combining them with, with a set of PF coils as well, which are also being wound using a, a stacked tape uh, cable approach. Um, although the construction is different, the, the PFs are fully insulated with uh, copper stabilizers, whereas the TF coils uses our uh, novel partial insulation uh, construction techniques. And that's a, that's a key part of the magnet protection system, uh, which we're developing and evaluating. Um, so by combining PF coils into the construction is we can see the interaction between the PF coils and the TF coils. Uh, so we can see how the TF coils cope with the field shine of the PF because the PF coils in a real fusion device will need to be uh, uh, run in uh, a variant of current. So you, you, the TF coils will typically be running at fixed currents, but that won't be true of the PFs. So we need to understand that the, the TF coils and this coil construction in particular can cope with uh, varying field shine that you'll see um, uh, from from the PF coils. So it's it's uh, uh, you know you, 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 we could have built a, a single limb, for example, which it, it, it's something that we, we we probably will do, but we haven't done yet. But the single limb doesn't doesn't enable you to evaluate the the, the set of the set of magnets and as a whole system, which we need to do. And it doesn't give you the opportunity to evaluate the, the, the interaction between PFs and TF coils. So it's, it's, a, it's a medium scale magnet set. Um, the coils are uh, roughly 0.8 meters in height, the, the TF coils. Um, so it gives us the chance to enable, to, to evaluate all of those uh, aspects of, of the tokamak magnet design at, at that medium scale. So and the medium scale means we can do it relatively quickly and we can do it relatively cheaply. Great, so Demo4 is gonna be looking at the, the, this combination between the TF, the toroidal field coils, and the PF, poloidal field coils, and, and how they interact and how they can shape a plasma, um, which is really important for future designs, future fusion reactors. Um, the tokamak energy is designed for a fusion power plant focuses on the spherical tokamak design. So um, as opposed to the conventional tokamak design, which looks more like a, a ring donut, the, Spherical tokamak design looks more like a cord apple. Um, so what are the benefits of using this design and how does this design impact the magnetic fields that can be created in the fusion machine? 
So the the uh, the, the the cord apple design, the spherical tokamak, um, the, the plasma is closer to the central column, uh, and the plasma is more elongated. Um, the the downside of that is the heat load on the central column is is much larger. So that's something that we need to manage. Uh, the, the the upside is that it will need uh, well the theory says that it will need less uh, input power to sustain the, the the plasma so the the potential so in terms of building a commercial device uh, the, the the potential for energy gain or power gain from the system uh, is 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 much better for for a spherical tokamak so it's it's certainly more challenging in terms of uh, in terms of the engineering, but also in terms of the plasma control. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a steeper curve or it's a steeper uh, development path than, than taking the conventional route, but the potential rewards are, are, are much greater. Mm. So we, we, you know, we strongly believe that the spherical tokamak is the right platform for the, um, for the commercial mm. energy generating machine. And that's becoming a strategic direction for the UK as well, I, I believe. So it's it's gaining a lot of traction. The the this sort of layman's explanation that that only works for me because I am a layman when it comes to plasma physics uh, as to why a spherical tokamak has you know an, an advantage for uh, for confinement is that the the ions as they're they're flowing around around the loop uh, that we've created spend more of their time near the central column, which is where all the toroidal field magnets are squashed together in the middle. And that's where the field is highest. And confinement goes very strongly with magnetic field. So if they spend more of their, their journey time in the high field region, then you get more confinement for a given kind of input of field that you've gone at pains to create. So it's, it, it results in a higher efficiency. Uh, so that, that's my layman's understanding. I'm probably making plasma physicists cringe the world over, but it works for me. So one, one of the important things is that we, we have a, a very good understanding and growing understanding of how spherical tokamaks work in terms of the plasma physics and control parameters for, uh, yeah, for controlling plasma. Uh, and we have the highest field operational spherical tokamak in the world now, ST40. It's just started a new operational campaign uh, to sort of push back the boundaries of high field STs. So that'll teach us an awful lot. It seems to be, yeah, you said getting more popular, especially in the UK with uh, Tokamak Energy, they're focusing on spherical tokamaks and also the STEP program. Yeah. Um, it seems to be more and more people are coming around to the fact that spherical tokamaks might be a little bit better. Um, and so yeah. in your opinion, what are the most important goals for fusion in the next decade? Um, and where do you think fusion will be kind of in 10 years time? Oh, I'll field that one. Um, so obviously everyone is hoping that fusion in 10 years time can move out of the sort of laboratory and the experimental tokamak devices of which there have been over 200 now. Um, there's only a handful of those that are superconducting and only a couple have ever had uh, tritium fuel put into it. But now everyone is wanting to move towards the high temperature superconducting, which will be the first of a kind. And um, most people have got aspirations to use um, the tritium deuterium reaction. Um, and, you know, it's, there's a whole host of things happening. There's spherical tokamaks that you've mentioned. There's high field conventional tokamaks, stellarators, 
all of these devices, um, the plan is within 10 years, they're either built and being tested or um, well on the way to being built. Um, they will be expensive machines, so they will need a lot of funding. So how this all shakes out is, is to be determined. But certainly Tokamak Energy is keen to be providing um, key elements of that and guiding the design. So we have concept designs uh, for intermediate devices and uh, energy, net energy to grid devices that we're working on. And obviously we've got um, some fairly unique magnet technology. Um, we're also developing some very novel um, radiation shielding technology and we just started out um, understanding the uh, the fuel cycle uh, side of things and uh, breeding the tritium fuel um, from the neutrons using lithium so that the, the, the fundamental fuel aspects of the machine are deuterium from seawater and, and lithium which you mine same stuff that goes in batteries mm. um, so yeah there's there's a lot of novel key IP um, in there that Tokamak Energy owns and we have a good team of physicists that um, can sort of help us figure out with a the engineers how to put this all together into, into a concept system. And, and that kind of leads on to my next question, which you kind of answered a little bit there, but um, what, where does Tokamak Energy as a company uh, want to be in 10 years time? Um, you mentioned kind of radiation control and tritium breeding and high temperature superconductors, which are all technologies that have been developed. Um, and how is Tokamak Energy's work pushing towards commercial fusion? So the uh... The goal really is to um, focus on um, a commercial uh, machine. Um, the, uh, the really important part is net energy, electrical energy to the to grid. Um, there's been lots of focus over the years on net, uh, net uh, power from the plasma. Uh, but what you need really is to produce net electricity to the grid. Um, and that's quite a lot harder. Uh, so we're, we've always had um, a plan to get to that and we're focusing quite a lot of effort on, on what it really means to commercialise fusion at the moment. Um, so it depends how things play out. Um, these won't be cheap machines. So, uh, it, you know, there's, and like I said, there's a lot of activity going on, but Tokamak Energy's technology will be enabling these and... Um, inside at least one of those machines, we hope. Mm. Great. There's a lot of exciting things ahead then in the next 10 years. Yeah. For sure, yeah. It's a really exciting time at the moment. And, um, you know, the focus is moving from R&D to engineering. And that brings a completely new, um, it sort of puts a different spotlight and a different perspective on everything. You need a different kind of mindset different kind of people yeah. um, and uh, you need commercial involvement from the final customers who are the you know the the energy companies um, yeah. possibly you know, oil companies that want to move over to a sustainable um, future uh, you know, net, net zero carbon so uh, yeah it's 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 exciting times and uh, it's all enabled by technology and um the key one for, for us at the moment in this podcast, at least, is the, is the magnet technology. And uh, Tokamak Energy have taken a pretty radical approach with that. Uh, Rod mentioned the partial insulation. 
not everybody probably agrees that this is the way to go yet, but we're pretty convinced that this can this can work and it can enable all sorts of benefits, even on large scale magnets. Um, and that's why we're, you know, but, you know, we're not just modeling it, which we are doing a lot of modeling um, and we think it works from that, but we're also, um, you know, planning to demonstrate it on an ever increasing series of larger uh, demonstrators of which demo four, well, it's the fourth, funnily enough, <laughs> demonstrator, <laughs> and it's getting it's getting quite big now. Um, but there will be bigger ones along the way, um, and they'll have plasma chambers in them. And they'll um, then we get to the really interesting bits where the plasma starts interacting with the magnets, um, and yeah. yeah, things will become much more involved with system integration and uh, the challenges of ma materials, um, etc. Yeah, I think that's where the, the stability of the, the partial insulation approach would really come into its own. So we should probably explain partial insulation for those for those in the audience who, who don't know what we're talking about. This is all the rage in, in the superconducting magnet community. Um, so it, it defies conventional magnet wisdom. But basically, it, it's it's a design decision whereby you can instead of having in insulated turns whereby you put a current through the, you know, the tape or the stack of tapes and you know it goes around every single turn producing the magnetic field. Um, if you actually leave the insulation out or you, you replace it with some kind of tuned um, component instead, then you can actually trade off the ability to change magnetic field strength dynamically uh, with stability. And stability is really important in a superconducting magnet because it needs to remain cold in order to stay functional. And of course, there are many ways in which a, a magnet that's at minus 200 and something degrees next to a, a raging plasma at a few hundred million degrees could cease to stay cold. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's useful to build into the magnet a structure that allows for stability to, to be maintained throughout its operation. So by providing this, uh, this, this connection between the turns, you allow current to switch around uh, and, and allow it to navigate around uh, defective regions should they, should they occur transiently. That's really interesting. I know as well, Tokamak Energy has some videos on your YouTube channel about your high temperature superconductor design and about quenching and, and when these magnets stop being superconductors. So if anyone yeah. wants any more information, then I, I'd recommend. Absolutely, I'm, I'm sure you'll put put a link to it. But yeah, they, they'll you, you can see some some real coils, a uh, little walk around the lab, and and see what we've been up to. It's one of the ironies, actually, is that we spend probably seventy percent of our time worrying about quenching, but in fact, we're making incredibly stable magnets that almost certainly will never quench, even if the plasma disrupts. We believe that they will be quite stable and able to cope with that. But of course. If you had a complete power failure and the cooling stopped under some circumstances, then you know inevitably you you would have the magnets would warm up and they would quench. So we do have to spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. And the partial insulation technique um, gives us a very um, benign quench behaviour. It's much more like what superconducting engineers are used to in a low temperature magnet, where it propagates quickly around the whole coil. Mm -hmm. Other than the plague of the HTS insulated coil magnet was that all the energy would go to the spot with the defect and burn a hole in the coil at that point. 
So um, that's why we think it's such a key revolution, um, and uh, you know why we're putting a lot of effort into into pushing this boundary a mm. bit further, um, rather than just sort of going with a translation of, of traditional cable uh, insulated cable techniques from the from the world of large scale LTS magnets, which which we could have done, we could have chosen to do that. And in fact, you know, we are doing that with our PF coils to some extent. They have to be insulated because they need to be um, swept quite quickly. So uh, that's a better technology for the PF coils. Yeah. Case of horses for courses. Yeah, yeah indeed, indeed. Great. It's been really interesting to chat with you all about your work. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks Thank you Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Fusion News Extra, sponsored by Fusion Energy Insights. You can find the full Fusion News episode that references this story on YouTube and also in podcast form in all of your usual podcast places. You can connect with Fusion News through the Fusion Industry Association social media pages. Please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review. Thanks again and see you next time. You have been listening to Fusion News Extra, brought to you by the Fusion Industry Association.